We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The road to success for young black men in America can be a steep one, but that does not have to be an obstacle. There are countless success stories, and many of them are to be told in our area as a means of inspiration. For the next year, the St. Louis American will be presenting a monthly feature designed, as the American puts it, to change the narrative about young black males in St. Louis in memory of Michael Brown. The series, called Homegrown Black Males, is being edited by Chris King, the managing editor of The American, and Professor Sean Joe of the Brown School of Social Work at Washington University. They join me in studio. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Thanks. Thank you for inviting us. Great, great to have you. Chris, let me start with you about the, uh, the objective. As I indicated, you say you want to change the narrative on young black males. How are you going to do that? Well, first of all, we're going to provide a series of stories by black men about this issue, about changing the narrative uh, of young black males. Sean uh, Joe is the subject matter expert. It's really his research and his passion that I'm helping organize as the editor. Uh, So we'll, on the one hand, present a series of voices showing excellence and showing black men rethinking St. Louis as a place where young black males want to grow up and and live. And and also we will report a series of feature stories about organizations that are already doing the work, starting with Father Support Center, moving to Better Family Life Incorporated, one a month. And then there also would be a companion editorial every month that's trying to put this all together for people in the community and also ultimately engage people, try to get them to get involved in doing the work with us. Sean, what is your vision? for this project? Well, this particular project is one of many projects that's part of the Homegrown STL initiative, which is focused on increasing the social mobility of black boys and young men ages 12 to 29, with a broad framework that we would need about 20 years of coordinated strategic work. So one of the things that you have to do is also cultivate the idea that young black males and who they are, how they work, what they contribute to the region is broader than people understand. So this re- this initiative helps to change that narrative by informing the public about these different experiences of young black males. So, so you basically want people to look at this uh, at the situation for these young men, and and maybe change their views of what their life is like and what their potential is. Is that it? Because well, the twelve year old is not going to be reading the paper. No, but actually, it's critically important that St. Louis as a region understands that the region's health, the region's economic prosperity, is directly tied to young black males, particularly this generation, the twelve to twenty nine year olds. The more we can engage them and help support and invest in them, the more the better position our region will be economically. So you don't do that without people beginning first to understand that. And the only way to understand that is to understand how dynamic the black male experience is in St. Louis, and then we can work collectively to really understand that we all want them to, to, to thrive and to be healthy and to contribute. But you have to start by believing that they can. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris, tell me a little bit about your first effort there. And Starsky Wilson is the uh, is the uh, gentleman in question who wrote the first uh, essay, I guess we could call it. The yeah, first, the first feature that was quite a remarkable uh, piece. Well, Starsky is is a good friend and a, a genius and a, a brilliant writer. We started the series on August 9th, the anniversary of the police killing of Michael Brown, dedicated, as you've read, to to Michael Brown. And the first 
speaker would have to be connected to Ferguson, and there are many options, and we'll hear many more Ferguson voices in the series. But Starsky seemed like a good first choice. We immediately agreed, obviously the co-chair of the Ferguson Commission and someone who just started the Deaconess Center of Child Well-Being. He's investing his, his livelihood in improving the outcomes for children, including, of course, males and young black males. So asked him to do it. He jumped right on it, and he wrote a piece that actually, I don't weep much on the job, but I, I wept reading it. It was just an amazingly powerful personal narrative that shows, again, the arc, the growth. He could have turned out to be a different person. He tells us he was a problem drinker in high school. I didn't know that. Tells his narrative with his father, which many of us have been through, including myself. I didn't exactly know that. And it was just so powerfully written that it really kicked off the series because you thought this great human being could have turned out to be someone that we might have neglected. And that shows that potential, that arc of upward mobility that we're trying to outline. It was perfect start. And Sean, you're going to be looking at other people like him or unlike him. I imagine you're going to have a, quite a wide variety of uh, you know, I, I almost call them mentors. When I read uh, the Starsky Wills, I, I thought, you know, this is a mentorship program. Well, actually, it's it's really to show how dynamic it is because Starsky's mm-hmm. experience is one of many that others can relate to. And our goal is to show young voices, older voices, those who are, are more known and those who are unknown. The primary goal is to, to envision how young black males, how black males are contributing to the St. Louis region and for us to have a deeper understanding of that experience. So with Starsky... What I love is that it doesn't have to be a sad story for him to tell. He really, this is a person who has great accomplishments, and he just didn't have to show that entity. He showed that there's a dynamics to this experience that black males have challenges, but they also have great resources. And his mother's investment in him and then others' investment on top of her investment made him the man who he is today. And that's the idea, that we have to invest deeply if we understand how important this population is. And I, I, I hate to say this, but uh, Starsky's story is probably the story that a lot of young men share in the, in the African-American community. And it is um, for some, but then there are others who don't, who have grown up in a middle-class context, and then how do they move forward and contribute back to the region? So mm-hmm. our vision is share the young and old across socioeconomic status to see so St. Louis can have a whole picture of a young black male. Chris, it seems to me that for this to be truly effective, it really has to have a wide readership of whites as well. Do you agree with that? Yes, and that's why I wanted to work with Sean. You know, we met through personal connection, and everything he said just made sense to me. and made sense that I work for the St. Louis American. Donald M. Suggs is the publisher, the executive editor. Nothing gets in this paper that he doesn't approve of. Mm-hmm. And this is his mantra. His mantra is there's wasted potential in the black community, and it's of great value to the white community to unleash this potential because if there's a stronger black community in St. Louis, there's a stronger St. Louis. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. And I knew he would love this idea. And you know, one of the reasons we, we reached out to you first was St. Louis Public Radio has a wide reach and a lot of thoughtful white folks, not only, but a lot mm-hmm. of thoughtful white folks in my friendship circle are tuned into you, and we want to reach your readers, your listeners. You know, I've had uh, many conversations with uh, Donald Suggs, and one of the things he keeps coming back to um, is the, the preschool education for young black uh, men and women, boy, boys and girls. And uh, you're, you're really looking for the 12 to 20, 29 group. Uh, couldn't you have started somehow a little earlier? Well, one of the things that's important is to recognize there's been really strong work in those 12 and under. 
But the group that's often neglected, the group that generally shows up in the emergency room, the group that we tend to read around uh, in, in, in criminal justice and violence tend to be those 12 to 29. So the goal right now is that these are the future fathers of, multi, of generations to come. So if we intervene at that level where they often are neglected, then it will contribute to, to, the, to the efforts for those under 12. So this is the population that we have to really reach mm. in this critical time. How did you two guys get together on this? I, 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 know, part <laughs> of the, I know part of the story, <laughs> and maybe that's what you're laughing at. But. Well, he came to my house uh, as a trailing spouse, as ultimately. A, right. uh, his, his partner was recruiting my wife uh, uh, for another uh, project, and we just started talking, and then we are still talking. Still talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but actually, I would really like to give thanks to Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> oh, so one of the things that that really made sure that we we had a good friendship and relationship was uh, Chris has an action figure of Ed, Edgar Allan Poe, and I said any man who has an action figure of Edgar Allan Poe means he's trying to make some serious change. So we bonded over that for quite well, some time. Well, even more. See, Sean is an academic, and they tend to have slow project metabolisms. They do long-range planning. You know, they publish a book a year. I publish a newspaper a week. And I thought August 9th we should start. But we thought about it the Saturday before August 9th. Correct. And we thought of an annual project. He was probably thinking January 1. I was thinking January 1. But I got the next day, and I thought it's got to start right now. I thought there's no way an academic is going to come up with an idea on Saturday and start it on Thursday. So I texted him. I said, the Poe action figure's on the table. If you'll move at the speed of journalism, you get Poe. Did you get whiplash? I'm getting Poe. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of the other people you have in mind to uh, to profile and to uh, participate and write for the uh, paper? Well, we have dynamic folks um, potentially lined up. Definitely Halbert Sullivan with the Father Support Center. Um, I'm reaching out to different individuals like Kevin, Kelvin Taylor. Many people might not have known Kelvin, but this is a gentleman who is entrepreneurial, has built a company on his own, really uh, around data analytics. So we're lining up individuals that's in St. Louis that's making contributions that many might not have heard of. Others they might have heard of uh, would include maybe Mark Durrell. We're trying to reach out to him. Of course, Michael McMillan, other names that people are more familiar with as well. Any sense of cautionary tales, perhaps, of people who, you know, maybe got off the path and and, uh, went in the wrong direction for a while, but learned from that experience? It's kind of interesting, Joe. I'm not sure how to interpret that. I can think about adults, or are you talking about youth? I'm thinking. Well, either either way, you know, there, there are lessons to be learned when from failure as well. I think my primary, what I'm trying to highlight, the lesson is is not to not to believe these young people can't make a contribution to St. Louis. I think that's the primary lesson for me. And for young people who might be listening or young adults, they have an opportunity to provide leadership, and we have to create a, a, a pathway for their voices to be heard. And I would like to continue to try to encourage that. Well, what I'm thinking of are those maybe who have uh, had problems of one mm-hmm. sort or another and you know, want to be motivated to get back on the right track. Well, we are going to do a Father Support Center client um, uh, who is a success story but has, was incarcerated and has, mm-hmm. has, has worked his way out. Mm-hmm. So there, it's not going to be only um, good news, I might say, but ultimately it's a positive uh, message we have. And uh, just we are going to p- kind of thematize it by month uh, as for what's coming up. And the first month will be all focused around Ferguson for the most part. Like the next columnist, we have State Rep. Bruce Franks Jr. this week. Um, 
Stefan Bradley, who was at SLU and is now out in L.A., uh, who was very important in, in Ferguson. And then uh, the newly de- uh, Democratic nominee for state rep, uh, Chip Price, the, Will Whiteley Price the fourth, Chip Price, who was also a Ferguson protester. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all a tribute to, to Michael Brown. Uh, why did you choose Michael Brown and, and this anniversary for this project? Well, one of the key things, the Homegrown Project started off based on the idea that Michael Brown um, represent broadly the Ferguson conversation. And despite the racial equity that people wanted to address, one of the things that was left off is what this was a young black male. So the thought now, St. Louis has been engaged in a four-year-long process about reimagining itself to some extent. Now, not all of St. Louis, but many are. Mm-hmm. So our thought was, imagine St. Louis in the context of if Michael Brown could have thrived and achieved all he had available for him to achieve. And it was really easy to, to, to anchor it in that way for me um, because the work of Homegrown is dedicated focus only on black males. And it made sense at that point for me to think. And the way. ideas are all, all Sean's, but uh, and the idea of changing the narrative is his idea, and I loved it. And I immediately thought of a narrative that I always wanted to tell that we'd never put in the American before, and that is that crazy story that Darren Wilson told to the grand jury mm-hmm. that he felt like a child in the arms of Hulk Hogan. Both of these men were 6'4", right? Uh, Darren Wilson and Michael Brown were 6'4". Yeah. Now, Michael Brown was heavier, but uh, Darren Wilson was 10 years older and just as tall. So this is a crazy story a white man's telling about a young black male. I always wanted to put that in the context. So Sean and I co-wrote that first piece, and I started off with that narrative, and he folded it into the pattern that we often hear police officers saying of black men, well, he was going to overpower me. He was a threat, even with his bare hands, right? I mean, Darren Wilson has a service revolver. He knew Michael Brown was unarmed, and yet he shot him six times. I don't want to digress, but uh, given what you've just uh, explained here, Chris, with the Wesley Bell's apparent election moving into the prosecutor's office, there's a lot of talk about reopening that uh, Darren Wilson case. Uh, You're a journalist. You've been around for a while. Do you think there's any potential credence to this? There is potential. I mean, he wasn't charged. He wasn't tried. There's no double jeopardy. You can reopen a grand jury. Now, new evidence would, of course, make it a better political uh, situation for Wesley Bell. I mean, Wesley does have a a political conundrum on his hands because a lot of people elected him uh, will want to see that happen. And the police officers he need to prosecute every one of his cases will absolutely not want that to happen. Sean, what do you think? Well, again, this is one of those situations where if the evidence is there and I think we can have a strong uh, conclusion to this, I think it's worth thinking about. But I'm just thinking about the man, Wesley Bell, and the challenges that he's going to have to to deal with and how carefully he's going to have to think about his decisions. So uh, would it be great for us to have a better conclusion to understanding the facts? Mm -hmm. I say yes. He's a pretty good story, too, Wesley Bell. Yes. Yeah. You know, getting back to the whole Ferguson thing, uh, we keep using the word conversations about Ferguson, and it has been four years. And we just had the Ford through Ferguson report come out indicating that five recommendations from the Ferguson Commission out of 47, and there were more than that, but 47 priorities, only five have been reached. I mean, Come on, we, we, we've had these conversations. We don't seem to advance very far. Well, actually, and this is what I love right now with the opportunity with the St. Louis American. So with Homegrown, there's effort to make sure we have the capacity to advance those, those recommendations. You have to build that capacity, and there are groups who are doing that. I would see that in the next year, 
we were, we're changing the conversations about black males. We're deepening that and the importance of investing in black male work in the region is rising up as a priority. Um, I think you would begin to see much more concrete work unrolling in the next year or so because people have been working and planning and trying to uh, advance this in a very sustainable way, very thoughtful way. So I think Forward Through Ferguson is going to put out its own work as well as other groups who are doing good work out there. Chris, you've been around here for a long time, and you know how St. Louis works, as I'm sure uh, Sean does. Things don't move very quickly in this uh, in this neck of the woods. It's true. Uh, I work for a newspaper, so narratives are what all I can offer to the situation. I, I grew up an activist, but I'm really just a newspaper guy now for the most part. Uh, now, Sean has uh, programmatic ambitions that are uh, premature to talk to you about now, maybe a year from now. Uh, you'll have us back and we'll have more to say. But it's true that the the newspaper cycle is really one part of something that we see also being actually involving much more action than, than just talk. What do you see, Sean, coming of this in, his, you know, in a sense that this is going to be happening for a year? At the end of the year, what, what do you want to see? Well, one, hopefully that uh, other unique voices get a chance to speak and speak clearly about their experiences and their leadership as black males. Two, I'm hoping that at some point that the broader St. Louis community, white in particular, um, and there are other venues that are featuring black males, whether it's the Business Journal or other places, that you start to see more prevalent images of young black males or black males in general contributing to the region. Um, and then we have long-term programmatic strategies um, regarding a deeper investment in black male work and in enrolling that population in the solution as well. So we're hoping that we would find those supporters out there who's going to commit to that mission. So as also inspiring young black men, but also inspiring uh, organizations and businesses to to get more involved. And get, get more involved. Get more involved. This is something St. Louis, <clears throat> St. Louis is uniquely positioned unlike any other region. You have the right level of philanthropy. You have the right level of organizations. You have right level of uh, academic institutions. Now we're creating the space for us to work and think and act together. And I just think it's going to be able to do something that Baltimore and Chicago cannot do. Chris, what do you, you want to see at the end of the year? Well, Sean, the thing Sean said to me when we were talking all day, the first day we met, was he said that there's all this talk about turning around St. Louis's fortunes. We have a declining population. We're losing Fortune 500 companies. St. Louis will not turn around if it doesn't turn around the outcomes for young black males. That seems to me like an absolutely true value proposition. I've never heard anybody say it so clearly, and it just struck me as if you're going to work on something, this is the place to work, if you care about this place, yeah. which we do. Well, it's off and running now, just starting, and it's going to run for the next 51 weeks, I guess, and keep us posted on how it works out. I mean, obviously, it's a project that we all have a vested interest in. Sean Joe, thank you for being with us. Congratulations on this project. Chris King, same to you with the St. Louis American. Thanks, Doris. Great. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Marsh.